Acts 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the presence of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together and they had asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be with my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he said, when he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as when you saw him go into heaven. The word of the Lord and thanks, thanks be to be God. God. Well, friends, we come to one of the final stories we get about Jesus' resurrection in the first five books of the New Testament, the Gospels and Acts. And here it is in the beginning of Acts that Luke tells us about Jesus appearing to his disciples as they gathered together to eat one more time. And it's in this gathering that something absolutely incredible happens. But let's look a little bit about the details and what brought us to this story so far. So we know that Jesus in his ministry knew and had eyes that his ministry was heading to the cross eventually one day. He was waiting and following the directions of the Father and the Holy Spirit as the Spirit guided him in his daily ministry to whatever it was he was supposed to do that week, that day. And we know that when it came to Passover celebration in Jerusalem in the, the third year of his ministry that Jesus was guided and knew that this was the time for him to sacrifice himself on the cross for the forgiveness of sins for all of humanity. And so Jesus went into that fateful week as we did in our holy season this year and recognized the weight of what was happening, recognized the, the difficulty and the obstacles that he would face in that week as he prepared to finish his earthly ministry. And then on three days after that, he raised from the dead and the women at the tomb um, were going to the tomb to minister to his body and they found the tomb empty and then they encountered Jesus in some form or way or another on their way back to tell the others, or Mary Magdalene did at least. And Jesus tells them, that they're to go and to share the good news with the disciples, tell them to go into Galilee ahead of him and that he would meet them there. But before they get a chance to go off to Galilee, Jesus already shows up to two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus and then later to his disciples in a room as they're gathered together. And sometime in between that, he appears to Peter. So all these different appearances happen where 
we clearly see that in every single one of them that no one recognizes who Jesus is. He looks, he must look different or be different in some way that they don't recognize or there's some kind of spiritual blindness put over them so that they can't recognize him. But Jesus does something or says something in all of these experiences that make it very clearly known to those who are present that it is Jesus. And then Jesus does things that are intentional to show that he's not just some manifestation, not just some kind of ghost or an apparition or just an, a fluke of their imagination. He does things like sit and eat with them. He does things like tells them to come and to touch his wounds. The women, even when they first see him, they begin to they fall at his feet and clinch his feet and begin to worship him. And then in the Gospel of John, we see as Mary falls into him, maybe in that same exact instance, Jesus says, do not cling to me. I have not yet ascended into heaven. And so the disciples go off into Galilee and they're waiting for Jesus. And we've already seen that he shows up to them in a couple of instances. Once he shows up to them as they're on the lakeside and they are fishing and in their boats and Jesus calls to them. And it's a, it's a hearkening back to his call to them to stop being fishers of the sea and instead to be fishers of men in following him. And he hearkens back to that original call, reminding his disciples that they're not to go back to their old lives anymore. Their lives have been changed and they have a new calling that is not fishing for fish, but fishing for men. Jesus reminds them of the commission that he gives to them in another appearance up on a mountain somewhere in Galilee, where Jesus tells them that they are to go into all the nations and to um, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we looked at what that meant last week. So at some point after these appearances in Galilee, the disciples feel led to head back to Jerusalem. Now, maybe they were heading back to Jerusalem for the celebration of the Jewish feast of Pentecost 50 days after um, Passover, or maybe it was some other something else that brought them, or maybe the Spirit guided them, or maybe Jesus had given them something in his appearances in Galilee that, that we don't have recorded that says, go back into Jerusalem. But they head back, and it's there that they meet Jesus once more as they're gathering together. And this is 40 days after the resurrection. So 40 days later, uh, and we celebrate this as Ascension Day, and it's always on a Thursday, the 40th day from Easter. And so last Thursday was Ascension Day, the day we recognized that Jesus met with his disciples in physical form in a group like that for the first time, or last time and before he ascended into heaven. Now we do have appearances later in the epistles with Paul, um, apparently seeing Jesus and definitely hearing Jesus on the road to Damascus, but apparently seeing Jesus in a vision or some other way later. There's tradition that Peter may have seen Jesus just before his death. But none of these things are particularly super substantiated and, and there's nothing keeping Jesus from coming back down and appearing in whatever way Jesus wants to even after he ascends. But here, the ascension is the, the key 40 days after. And Jesus had been preparing his disciples for this. If we look into the Gospel of John, almost all the discourse that he has while eating dinner with them that last night at the Last Supper is about the fact that he's going to leave them, that he's going to be gone, that he's not going to stay with them forever. And he even tells them that it's a good thing that he's going to leave them, 
that if he stayed with them, then the, the presence of he and the Father would not be able to come and indwell us and be with us and give to us his presence for all eternity right within our own bodies, our own selves. And so Jesus says, I have to go away. This is the way it's been deemed. And so I'm going to have to go away, go back to the Father, and I will be holding you and ministering to you in, 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 as an intermediary to the Father in this time. But I'm going to give to you the Holy Spirit who will guide you into all things. And so Jesus is meeting with them somewhere near Bethany, a couple miles away from Jerusalem. Uh, later, Luke kind of reveals that they were actually on the Mount of Olives and that they were only a Sabbath day's walk, which is just about three-quarters of a mile, is how far you could walk on the Sabbath from the spot that they were at to the city. And so there were Sabbath day's walk. They were right across the city on the Mount of Olives, and they were sharing a meal together. Who knows where or how or what? Maybe they were in a house. Maybe they were just eating outside. Who knows what they were doing? Or maybe they weren't eating at all. The verb doesn't give us a ton of direction here. It could mean to just gather although it seems to imply that they were eating together. And as they ate together, they got curious. And the disciples wanted to ask Jesus a question. Now they had seen him all these different occasions, and they, he had seemed to be sticking around. And if you think about this, you know, he had been telling his disciples that he was going to leave at some point, even before he died. And then he dies, and then he resurrects, and he keeps coming back. You know, and the disciples are getting a little antsy. You know, what's with all these games, Jesus? You keep going, appearing to us and then disappearing and appearing to us and then disappearing. What, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And we don't really know what they meant from this question, so we have to take it kind of on face value. That they still held in onto an anticipation, a Jewish idea that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to politically pull together the nation of Israel, the country of Israel, and was going to lead a revolt that would oppose the oppressors of Rome or whoever it was at the time that any Jew particular thought of this. It could have been this, the Assyrians or the Babylonians or many others throughout history. But in this particular time, they would have thought of Rome and that, that uh, Jesus was going to expel Rome from Israel and that Israel would be restored to its rightful place as the nation that would rule over all other nations in the name of their God. They still had this anticipation in their heart that this is what Jesus had come to do. They still hadn't quite grasped the fullness of the mission and the newness of what God was doing in Jesus and in breaking his kingdom into the middle of time here and now. They still haven't got it. We saw this earlier. They didn't get that they had a new calling and they so easily got tempted after waiting for Jesus in Galilee to just go back to fishing. They didn't understand that they were to be waiting for the preparation that Jesus was going to do for them before the Holy Spirit so that they could eventually continue and complete the mission that he had given to them. And so here we see again they've been fellowshipping with Jesus and they don't quite get it and they're wondering, when are you going to finally do what we've been expecting you to do for the last three years? When are you going to complete the mission by restoring Israel? If you remember, even before this, before the crucifixion, James and John's mother came to Jesus and asked for a special favor from him. 
there was a closeness with their families and and so she thought that she could maybe ask for a little um, favor for Jesus to do for her two sons so that they might gain prominence in the kingdom that Jesus was going to build. And so she says, can they sit on your right hand and your left? And Jesus rebukes them for this and rebukes the other disciples for having ideas of being greater than others or lording it over people. But you could see that in their hearts, they still believed there was something physio physical, physiological that was going to happen in the geography of Israel and God was going to come and was going to reestablish Israel as the nation to rule all other nations. And Jesus says to them no answer about what their expectations is, but instead Jesus tells them that they're about the time that it, all these things are going to take place. And he says no one knows the time and no one's supposed to know the time but the Father. And so he tells them to stop thinking about that and instead he says, you, you are going to be my witnesses in Judea and in Samaria and in all the rest of the world. Jesus reminding them of the mission that he's giving to them. That it isn't just a plan of God for the nation of Israel. That Jesus came for more than just Israel. Jesus came for all of humanity to reestablish a new kingdom that all humanity would come under the dominion of and that all would be given grace and mercy and that they would find in, in Jesus the presence of God. And so it's this mission, this mission that he's calling them to, that they would go out and that they would share this news as eyewitnesses, that they themselves saw all these things. They had walked with Jesus through his three-year ministry. They had witnessed the miracles that he had done. They had heard his teaching and had written it down. And they had memorized things that he had taught over and over and over again. And then they followed him to that fateful night he was betrayed. And then they saw him on the cross, or some of them did. And then they saw him taken down from the cross and they saw his lifeless body. And then they saw his resurrected self after that. And so they are eyewitnesses. They're keys to the entirety of what was going to happen after Jesus ascends into heaven and leaves the church to build, or the disciples to build the church. So Jesus is reminding them that it's not just for Judea, but for Samaria, the nearby neighbors that you haven't gotten along with, your cousins that are just kind of this close to your way of thinking, but just enough far off that you guys don't get along. But even bigger than that, the whole rest of the world, including the Romans and the Greeks and every other people on the earth are going to hear this message from your eyewitness. And so this is your job. This is what you're going to do. And in just a few more days, you're going to have the Holy Spirit come on you in power. And so 10 days after this is Pentecost, 50 days. That's what the penta means in Pentecost. And it's 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, the Spirit during this Jewish ceremony that is going on in Jerusalem descends on the early believers. And we'll look at that more next, way, next week as another type of appearance after the resurrection. But after Jesus finishes saying all these things to the disciples, he just begins to kind of rise up. He ascends is the word, really. 
We don't really know what this means. I mean, in ancient world, the idea of the cosmology was that the heavens were somehow above us. But even in Jesus' time, there was a bit of skepticism about that, and that wasn't the cosmology of all the peoples around. And people in general at that point knew things about this earth that uh, we take for granted even to today of knowledge of science and, this, and, the, and space and stars and all that stuff. They knew these things. And so what, what it meant that he floated up, I think we could just take it at face value that he floated up maybe as a physical metaphor, a physical metaphor of Jesus leaving this material realm and returning to the spiritual realm to be with his father, to be sitting at the right hand of the father in a, in a seat of judgment over the whole earth. And this is a fulfillment that who was, lowers themselves before God will be raised up. Paul says that he was so obedient that God exalted him and made, gave him the name above all names in, in the, his letter to the Philippians. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. So Jesus ascends up to this position to be with the Father, and there's a gap. There's a gap between when that happens and when he's told them that the Spirit was going to come, but he gives them one more command and tells them to wait, to wait until the Spirit comes in power on them in the city of Jerusalem, the city that he is so close to his heart, the city that he cares so much for that as he walked into the city in his last week, he wept for Jerusalem. And then as they're sitting there, looking up into the sky, wondering what just happened as probably you would do and I would do, just flabbergasted of what? How? What in the world? All of a sudden, two men or appearances of men dressed in white are among them and say, where are you looking? Don't you know that that same Jesus who you worship and recognize as Lord, in the same manner that he left, he's going to come again? And this is in line with Jesus' own prophecy from the book of Daniel that he repeats and uh, Jesus repeats in his ministry the prophecy from the book of Daniel and says that this, behold the Son of Man coming on the clouds. You will see the Son of Man coming upon the clouds. And so in the way that he leaves and gets obscured by the clouds, he will come back coming on the clouds to the earth. Well, what does this mean for us today, many years later? Well, the story tells us that Jesus has a plan for the church to be built with the eyewitness of these men and women who had seen what he had done. And that their work was going to establish an everlasting and new kingdom that would last beyond the end of the age. And that into the new age, in the recreation of the heavens and the earth, this new kingdom that they will participate in building is going to be there. So, we get to participate in it. 2,000 years later, that mission continues. That mission of being witnesses to what Jesus has done and what Jesus is still doing is our job to take now into Judea and Samaria and the rest of the world. Remember last week, as you are going, as you're continuing on, as you proceed with your life, make disciples. So you are invited into this kingdom-building practice with Jesus in the presence 
of the Holy Spirit in us, guiding us and giving us direction. This is what we're about as a church. This is what differentiates us from any kind of service club or any kind of other religion within this, this whole earth. We specifically believe that God is using the church to bring about the building of a new and eternal kingdom that will last forever. You, you are a part of this. Have you ever considered what your part is? Have you ever taken that call seriously? I challenge you this week to sit and pray again and think about how even in the midst of being stuck in your home, if you're stuck in your home, or working in social distance or physical distancing from your coworkers in your place of work, or whatever you find yourself doing, are you participating in the call of God to build the kingdom of God here and now? Are you doing what is necessary for you to be connected to the Holy Spirit in a way so that you would recognize the Spirit's calling on you every moment by moment so that you might participate in that mission? That these things might be getting alone and praying to the Father, reading scripture, being in fellowship with other Christians and growing in your faith and understanding of what God has done and God is doing. But whatever it is, commit to that. Commit to that this week and begin to sense what the Spirit is calling you to do to participate in the building of the kingdom of God. Friends, this week as you consider how you can participate in the building of the kingdom, know this, that the way that God is calling you, God has uniquely gifted and equipped you to do that calling. God has, will give you every single resource and strength that you need to do that calling. And so listen, listen deeply for the call of God in your life and then follow. Follow that call to participate in the building of God's kingdom here in this place and in this time. And may the God who is boundless be with you in this space and as you leave worship and enter back into your normal everyday life, may the God of boundless presence make himself known to you so that you will sense and hear his call. Amen.